Let's play on or. Hi, folks. Welcome back. This is Maddie from Shock, Shock Treatment, Treatment with, with Mel and Maddie. And we're doing our part dose, part two uh, of the episode with Alex Hoy, artist, drawer, cartoonist, good guy, extraordinaire. Uh, we're going to finish off his story in part dose, hear about all the great things he's been doing more recently, working with Adam Green, you know, you know what, what I mean? mean? Coloring, Coloring some books that he's been digging for years, you know what I mean? I mean doing a big. big. Um, heck yeah. Well, without any uh, wasting any more of your precious, precious time. Welcome back. Welcome back to part two. Part two of our episode with the great... The great Alex Hoy. Alex Hoy. Thank you. Thank you. You have any projects dedicated or in tribute to your dad? Um, the passion project I worked on for a long while, uh, I'm going to have my dad probably as like a background character into it and a trip put a little tribute to him because uh, there's a lot of things I like that I grew up with him with and I'm pretty sure every book or whatever I make is going to be in some way dedicated to him. Yeah. Because he was a big uh, influence, yeah. obviously. Uh, but when it comes to death, uh, you know, spiritual, all that is, uh, I believe I carry him on and his own rights from how he raised me. Because my dad had some issues that I do not have. And he showed me the evils of those kind of issues as I grew up. And I took out a heart and I take it to uh, the part where I'll do the things that he didn't have the strength to overcome. And I'll try to be a better person than he was. And hopefully the foibles I may teach my children one day, they'll learn from my mistakes and try to be better. Because isn't that the best thing you want to give to your parents is to try to learn and do better than they did. Yeah. Never resent, never get angry. Cause I mean, that's what we all want from kids. We want them to be us, but better. Yeah. But if you put that too much pressure on that, that can be formed into resentment. That's how we have like those pageant moms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause my dad, I was, I've always thought I was going to be a failure in my dad's eyes. My dad was a sporty guy. I didn't really care too much about sports. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was a I was a fat comic book nerd, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he was just like, no, just, you know, if you love doing this, you got to do it. Do what you love. Do all that. You yeah, know, attitude, yeah, yeah, great and, attitude about things. So your life has kind of become a tribute to him, which is great. I dig that. Yeah, but I'm not like living in his constant. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but, but yeah. a lot of the times like something something traumatic as losing a, a parent or whatever helps you. Yeah release that artistic side a little bit more and in, in, in a different way in a more powerful, I guess. I think it reminds way. you, I think it reminds you that your kind of time's a little limited. You know what I mean? The life's not short. Yeah. It's not short, but limited. We'll say. <laughs> the, what uh, the, f- what? It's just, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're saying the exact thing with different verbiage. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm just playing. Maddie's going to get 30 days on Instagram, Joe. <laughs> I'm going Instagram prison. 
Uh, yeah, I, I also I, just don't like I don't like pseudoscience. I'll say that too. I don't like it. I like when people are in a vulnerable place and people exploit it by saying like sure. that that they can uh like abuse that like like I, I've said this before, but I'm really not a big fan of the Warrens right. and all that. You know, from like because I thought the Conjuring was a fun movie, but the people they're based on are notorious con artists. I know yeah, people yeah. have actually met. Um, like the Living Warrens or whatever, and like she, she passed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> you mean. who's who has ever left? It's just like Ray. there's tons. No, I think they're all the, the husband and wife are both passed. The wife passed last year, I think. The husband died maybe seven or eight years ago, or something like that. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. But I, but I still am very upset from the stories I heard about them exploiting families to to make stories. Yeah, and the ghostwriters that came out for the novels they had about how they mistreated mentally issued children to teenagers, to people, so they could say they're possessed or all these other ridiculous stories fluffed up in books. And just, I I, I just, because I know how bad it is to be that vulnerable. And when you're confused in your life, you want answers for everything, you'll go to any extreme. And if anyone does, if you don't give someone what they want to hear, like give someone a logical answer to something of like why there's a stirring in their house. And they're like wondering like, Oh, is that my passed away like daughter or something like that? They're not going to listen to a rational thought. No one wants to hear the mundane. No one wants to hear that. They want to hear the fantastical. They want to hear that there is more to it, that there's all these things. And I find that very limiting because there is very interesting and, you know, evidence in the world that could lead to something. Like, hell, there could be ghosts from, like, an interdimensional plane or something like that, but we're never going to learn about interdimensional planes if someone's still playing around with goddamn crystals. Right. You know? It's- <laughs> well, that Warren, that Warren thing's even more of that, you know, evil celebrity, with the evils that celebrity brings, because they, they only played that game to increase their celebrity, so more people would talk about them, oh, we'll say this, that, and the other thing, so they'll talk about us. So, like... It's the same deal with that, you know, celebrity doing, um, making you do evil things, you know, whether it's influencing things in a bad way or whether it's turning a blind eye to a real issue to say something else to sell books. You know what I mean? It's all the same type of. Absolutely. It's, I have a hard time watching The Conjuring now, especially with all that information, just how much they like, you know, like blow up the popularity of how cool the warrants are because that. When it's not focusing on the interesting parts about the haunted house of The Conjuring, which is really cool. It's a really fun movie. Yeah, yeah. But then it cuts back to the colleges where all these kids are like, oh, my God, what else did you guys do? You guys know Latin? That's insane. The ghosts speak Latin, a dead language? Never have modern ghosts. You ever notice that? You never have a modern ghost, like, invading your Netflix or something. Is that that never like, happens. You don't have, you know, a ghost waking you up at 3 a.m. going, hey, it's Britney, bitch. That would be horrifying. That, that kid... <laughs> Imagine your TV turns on in the middle of the night and it's just that kid. Is he the though? Is he the guy who says "Don't be mean to Brittany"? The guy, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I want those ghosts. <laughs> could you? Could you imagine if you were haunted by like a strictly '90s ghost? I did. You know, like Waking every time smacking you with a slap bracelet. Slap bracelet on the wrist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so I keep waking up. My jeans are ripped. Oh. Uh, I keep I waking up with plaid shirts, and uh, Nirvana keeps playing every single morning. My gray marble shirt's turning pink. Ah! <laughs> yeah, good old Reebok, Reebok pump sneakers exploding in your sleep. 
Guys, I woke up this morning. I swore I unplugged the TV, but it was playing Pro Skater by itself. (laughs) They come back. Pro Skater's back. I'm happy about that. It's just too bad they don't have Spider-Man now. I heard that they're bringing, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the dude who was Doc Ock in part, th- Raimi's part three is coming back to be Doc Ock in the new, the new trilogy there. I gotta tell you, I kind of sometimes absolutely hate that I'm part of like a nerd group of people and yeah. stuff like that. Cause I'm so tired of being spoiled by stuff. I'm so well, tired. I'm I just sure want to, yeah. because everyone's just like, there's not even a trailer yet. They're just talking about people who are cast. Come on! I want to be surprised every once in a while. <laughs> well, I'll spoil. Alexander Hawk is playing Spider-Man. That'll be the last, the last spoil for that. <laughs> oh God! Um, anytime That's someone says it. no spoilers, but gets just makes me, you know, it makes my butt just perker, per, pucker up. Just like I stop. But yeah. it's, and it, and and this and this new movie is going to be directed by Adam Green. Well, speaking, he should have said something. <laughs> What was how did you and Adam link up? Adam's a local Adam. Everybody in the horror world knows Adam Green, one of our one of Massachusetts's uh, pr- uh, boys that we're proud of. We got Eli, we got Rob Zombie, and we got Adam Green. You know, le- absolutely. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Adam Green. I remember I was yeah. like, I remember I, I watched. This is what's funny. I watched in Newberry Comics, and I was like going through like a heartbreak from high school of like, oh, yeah. there'll be anyone. Everything sucks. And then I saw. <laughs> This DVD called Hatchet, and I thought, oh, that's cool. And I, I picked it up, and, like, the dude is wearing a Newberry Comics shirt. Yeah. He's talking about a bad breakup, and I'm like, I relate to this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I, I loved it. I, I love that it was, like, it was such a fun movie, you know? It was, like, just fun. It was gory and all that, but it was... It was funny in all the right ways, not like in the way how modern horror just wants to be a comedy while sheepishly being horror. You know, there's a balance you need to strike. And I, I liked it about his movie. And uh, I was definitely a fan. Anytime I heard that there's a suit coming out, I got it immediately. So excited. I loved it over the years. And I think I met him like once or twice going to the con when I was working at Mad Z. And, you know, it was nice and cool, whatever. Uh, but like, I still was an insecure artist because I didn't want to draw fan art or anything else. Cause I wouldn't, uh, you know, make it the right way. Cause I yeah. was still like, I'm not at my own standards. I can't show anybody what I'm working on. Um, and then, uh, after all that fallout, if of all of that stuff that happened earlier, uh, I wanted to make something fun. I want to make stickers and stuff. And I thought, like, hey, I'll do a Victor Crowley. That'll be super fun for my first booth at Rock and Shock. Yeah. And so I made that little hatchet-wheeling uh, Victor. And uh, I remember I, I I laid them out on my table. And so it, what sucked is that Adam wasn't even there that year. Uh, you know? I went through all that effort, and he wasn't even going to be there. And I'm like, that's all right. You know? But, you know, some people get it. It's Rock and Shock. Yeah. Um, and this lady came up. And she had her phone over it and she was taking pictures. And I was like, yeah, it's Victor Crowley. And she was like, I know I'm friends with Adam. I'm sending this to him now. And I was like, I was like, Oh, cool. That's the, that's the, that's the beauty of conventions because you never, when you have a table, you never know who is at your table. 
Seriously. Did you get worried for a second that it was going to be a negative thing where a copyright issue or was it, were you, were you pretty you know, happy that you were just going to get your work in front of his eyes? There's always that worry of just like, yeah. am I going to get like, this is cool or cease and desist? Yeah. You know, it, it was, a uh, it was, a uh, really cool. And God, that's something also I learned is just like, you, what I don't understand why some people do this is that people have so many awesome creative ideas, but they only want to show it to like celebrities yeah. and like, they kind of like push away anyone else that doesn't have like a noteworthy name or a recognizable because it's like, dude, you never know if you're like shooing away a representative of someone. Just like when someone talked to you about your screenplay and stuff like that, and they're just talking shit to you. Yeah. You know, it's, people just don't understand who the hell they're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, but so because of that, you know, it was very nice. It was like, you know, just doing my thing. And I was excited for the next year. Adam Grimm was going to be there. And, uh, uh, it was, uh, I guess a better year than where it was like going through all the emotions and stuff, but I was really hyped to like, okay, this next year is going to be great. I'm going to have my stuff. and I'm going to show Adam my sticker. And when I finally got all the way up to him, I showed him the sticker I made and he went, yes, dude, I want to talk to you about this. Uh, can I use this for a shirt? That was a good Adam Green impersonation too. I like that. <laughs> was it? <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Adam Green is like the Greek god of exasperated because my god, the stuff he has to deal with. Yeah, he deals with he deals with so much. Um, yeah. but uh, I, I talked to him about you know stuff I went through and all that, and he recently went through um, a long heartache with the loss of uh, with Dave, Dave yeah. and uh, you know. Uh, I think he kind of understood that. I kind of like understood that as well with my great loss. And, uh, you know, we just talk about artwork and all that. And we, you know, um, I was asking like certain questions that I don't think I'll ever be able to repeat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was another very impactful moment. And, uh, we, I, we were just like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. And I'm like, that's sweet. That's cool. And I had a pretty fun weekend and then I heard nothing from him. I was going to say, did you, did you think that anything was going to come out of it? Or what did you get just like ghosted at, from the convention? No, not really. Because I, I, I was just like, yeah, sometimes Busy. stuff doesn't go through. It's fine. You know, you just got to accept that sometimes. But also. And then you get that random call like two years down the line. Yeah. yeah also, just never harass people either. Never go like, so we're we doing something. So, so it's, you know. Yeah. That's what I've learned that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, I I eventually got it. I remember it was I was at the lowest of my low because like my Cintiq broke, my computer wasn't working, yeah. I couldn't illustrate like I was. I, you probably I, I was yeah. like, oh my god, everything sucks, everything's horrible. And I was babysitting my little cousin, and I'm t- she's just doing schoolwork and stuff. And all of a sudden, I had two dings on my phone from Adam Green, and he was like, hey, so about that, you know, stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> and. I got my stuff together again. I got everything back up and running and, you know, went full speed ahead and just corrected some things and did that uh, official hatchet shirt. Yeah. And hoodie. And hoodie. And hoodie. I know. I know. I need to order one because that hoodie is I don't think you can anymore. (laughs) I know. You still order? They're very low in stock. Yeah. That's also why we are banging the hammer about pre-ordering them so everyone gets them. Yeah. 
Yet people still don't get that because even I saw because Am was giving me a, a straight play by play of how so this was going to happen. Horrible when it comes to pre ordering stuff. Like, it, hey, I'll say bad. this. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to this just in a second. This is jumping ahead a little bit. You want the Holliston T-shirt hoodie? Get it now. Like, get it now. Like just like selling like hotcakes. Go it. It's going to ship on the fifteenth of December. So all get the stuff to get in Christmas. order. Yeah, where can it, people go do that order? Uh, go to the Aeroscope website. Aeroscope, uh, I think it's Shopify or something. But like, go to the website and go to buy stuff. You'll have like the whole layout. They got, you know, they got the. Uh, they have whatever's left for the hatchet shirts that I did. They still have the comics. They still have a lot of, like, uh, they still even got some action figures of, like, the cartoony Crowley thing they did, too. Not my cartoony Crowley, but, like, they have action figures. Yeah. Um, I think Adam's even doing a cameo now, too, I recently saw on there. So that's pretty sweet. That is cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was you know, collabing with Adam, and that was super fun. And, you know, when that announcement came out, that was a very interesting shift. Yeah. Because I was just an amateur, no name artist. And now I had a luck with doing something quick with Adam green. And I can only tell you how many people brown nosed in my DMS as soon as that came out. I can imagine. Oh my God. Have people come out of the woodwork going like, Oh wow. So I didn't realize how attractive you are. You know, know, or a list of names. We're going to read through that list of names right now. I'll DM you later. <laughs> um, but also, I'm That's sure the so, after show information. <laughs> well, my God, so, there are some people that you you that we all know that we're probably just like, yeah, they would do that. <laughs> yeah, people, people don't appreciate you until somebody bigger than them appreciates you, and then they appreciate you. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of these dudes I knew you would never give me a second glance at some of the conventions we've attended and done all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, you're something now. And it's like, cool. I was something then, so keep on moving. (laughs) I'm glad I'm living a a constant high school reunion. That's kind of what life feels like sometimes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God, it's... it. But, my God, it was so ridiculous. It was really cool, but also... Like there was a lot of anxiety of it. I'm like, oh my god, what a cool thing! And yeah, oh my god, what do I do? <laughs> oh my god, I need to shut my messenger off. <laughs> did you fail? And, uh, did you have that? any? Sorry. Did you have any unsure failing jumping into something that big, or were you pretty confident at the time moving it and going in that you were you were you know firm firm believing it was going to be a good deal? I have full faith I can do it. Yeah, and still do it. But there's always going to be that bit. That you can do we it. Know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to be confident in myself. And Absolutely. that's not that's not being like, it's just like, oh, of course I can. It's just like, no, I have to. Yeah. And uh, there's always going to be a bit of that imposter syndrome. I mean, I had that because I did a comic with uh, uh, Rough House Publishing. I did, their antholo- I did an anthology entry for one of their comics. And they had me on the indie comic panel at Rock and Shock. And I had total you know, like, like imposter syndrome, because I was like saying stuff and giving advice and like, everyone has like a bigger catalog and more things than they said about me. And I was like, this is like my only really note to fame or whatever. And soon after I did Adam Green. So I guess I had more, you know, pull after that. But, uh, 
uh, I guess I'll always have that, but I kind of never want to have not have the feeling of I, that I don't belong. Yeah. Because one, it, it keeps me uh, in a place to be grateful and humble for the things I get. And I never want to get to a place where I plateau and right. never think like, oh, I have made it. I am great. It's like, I'll always be a student. I'll always be, I, I need to get better. And yeah. I really need to. And I pride myself on working really fast and stuff that often sacrifices my health. Yeah. Health is important. Try yeah, to yeah, do your bro. best, eat healthy, run, all that kind of stuff. But uh, when we were promoting the shirts, Adam was also doing Scary Sleepover. So I sent him monsters they could put in his Instagram posts. And I made those every single day. I made really quick monsters and threw it his way so, you know, they could be in these little promos. And I made those every day. And I'm pretty sure he was like, you know, you can do fast. Can you do comics? And, and you know, obviously I can do comics, but he, uh, they have the Hatchet Ant Halloween anthology comic that they do. And they never had Adam do his own story for the, for the anthology. And it was like going to be in the next like month and a half or so or something. They're actually going to start getting it published and in stores. And they're like, Hey Alex, do you think you can do the comic? And of course I was like, yes. And it's like, we're going to have to do it fast. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and he's done 10 minutes later. No, not that quick, but. <laughs> oh no, I, I was dealing with such like craziness along with that, but I still was like, no, I need to spearhead and get this done. And to the point, like uh, I spent 16 hour days working on it. Oh, wow. Because I be, want, I wanted to get it done. This is not. They pay me fairly. I will state that they are. I'd great. be seeing. I'd be seeing cross-eyed after staring at something for that long. Oh, that's that's my whole insanity. I don't think many people get is that <laughs> I need to. It's not about being a perfectionist, but it's just like I love Hatchet. I love Adam Green. I love that whole thing. Yeah. I really want to make something cool. Right. And so I really wanted to put as much effort as I can. And just because I did it for a long time does not mean it's going to be my magnum opus. Um, but I put a lot of energy into it. And my, I was dealing with like a lot. Like even at a point I went to go like run the treadmill in the morning because it was a while since I didn't. And it's bad for your health if you're just stagnant sitting all day, which yeah. I was. Um, the power went on my treadmill. I slammed my chin on the, on the handlebars. <laughs> Oh, wow. Like, those were the days I was having. I'm like, that hurt. Okay, time to draw comics for the next 16 hours. Cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's even not really after, red paint. It's blood from, you know, face planting on the treadmill. And then, you know what I did right after I got all the pages done? I dedicated myself to coloring all of them, too. So I didn't just illustrate. I also colored every single thing. So then that entailed, I got to try to do textures, colors, references. When did you sleep? To, um, did you sleep? <laughs> still waiting to sleep. Yeah, he's still waiting to sleep. Yeah. So yeah, yes, that look, that look, that look right there says it all. Waiting to sleep. <laughs> I think it happened. Did I black out? I think that's how I slept. Um, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> I woke up still drawing and I'm like, I guess that's cool. Um <laughs> Hey, double uh, Oh, man, I would love that. I would, I would love to be on an autopilot and be able to keep going <laughs> as I sleep. But uh, I uh, I did all the colors, and even after that, they were like, hey, uh, do you want to do extra goodies? And I'm like, yes, I do. 
And so I did more and more and more. And we're getting very close to like, you know, the deadline even thought I lapsed over it. And, you know, man, I was so anxious. I want to get that done because one, I was so excited. And uh, if you actually checked out the comic too, is that I put a lot of Easter eggs in it just because I like it. Yeah. Easter eggs are always great. I put a lot of weird ones in there. And I want to try to make Adam's jokes as funny as I can make them. Like, because it's so, I'm such a huge fan of Adam. I had to think like, okay, I literally have a script from one of my heroes, one of my influences, the Kevin Smith of horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can I do to make this funny? Good good way to put it, yeah. Right, definitely. And it was, uh, it was so exciting. And like, uh, you know, he said he liked it. I'm like, oh, thank God. Because it was like, hey, can you tweak this one thing? I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, he, he feels like if he didn't like it, he'd tell you one of the, like, like uh, very nice guy, of course. But I could, you know, if he didn't like it, I could see him being a little, eh, about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I you know, I can take it. Like, did, you get, did, you, did you get any of those moments from him where, you know, like, it's five minutes before it's going to go to print and he's, you know, calling you up, telling you he needs to have something fixed or done a different way. way. Yeah. I had nothing really drastic like that, but I've always had like, oh God, I hope he doesn't hate me from this email. Oh God, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, Even though the last thing I think I said to him was saying I didn't see the original uh, Halloween until last Halloween. (laughs) And that's the last thing I sent to him. He didn't reply. So I'm like, oh, that's how I got blacklisted. He doesn't like me anymore. (laughs) That's all it took. Also, on that note, too, is um, I saw Rob Zombie's Halloween first before the original. So I had no frame of mind of Halloween before I saw Rob Zombie's. Rob Zombie's Halloween sucks. Hey! (laughs) I like his music. I like Rob Zombie. But come on. For the most part, the majority of people who love Rob Zombie's, like, you know, trashy films, like not really good as his other ones. Devil's Rejects, great, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most people who love his movies, you know, uh, usually are big fans of his music anyway, so I feel it's always biased. True. Yeah, see, I I love his movies, but I was never a fan of his music. I didn't even know who the hell he was until House of a Thousand Corpses came out. You never never played Twisted Metal 2 and listened to his soundtrack of Dragon Ball over and over? I I did used to play, and that's the funny thing, I used to play Twisted Metal, but I've never been that big of a video game person. Yeah. So, like, it was one of those things where I played if I was, like, over at, like, a boyfriend's house. You know, not not a, not that kind of boyfriend, but, like, a guy. Yeah, like, no, the the kind that I just (laughs) with and play video games with. Oh, a friend zoned boyfriend. The friend zoned one. Yeah. I was always friend zoned. I still get friend zoned. Come on. (laughs) Come on, over some But, yeah, like, you obviously, you hear the the soundtracks, but you, like, Back then, I wasn't putting like two and two together. I didn't give a shit. More human than human. I was just, you you know, I just wanted up. to shoot things and blow. Shit. <laughs> I just wanted to shoot things and blow shit up. I didn't care what the music was. That's what you do with the music. You shoot things and blow you shit. You know, like, it was like you know. We were, I feel like that's one of the track songs. I work. I work, <laughs> in the med- I work in the medical field. You don't know, or you know, you don't know how many nights I've come home and I sit here and I play Resident Evil, and certain zombies have the names of whoever pissed me off during the day. You know, <laughs> so, that's what you do. It's like that's where my mind goes playing video games. That's why you, I don't. You okay it. there? You all right? 
<laughs> this is how I get through COVID. <laughs> Do you know how to express yourself, Mel? Do we? Yes, that's why I kill. This? I kill people in video games. <laughs> I, I really hope that Mr. X isn't like representative of like really dark aspects of your personality. Oh God! If it is, I would have already been in jail for murder like a long time ago. Well, you can't really do that with Mr. X until the finale. Uh, have you played Resident Evil 2, the new one? It's really good. I, I'm actually playing it now. Wow, did they change that from when it first came out? It's fun. I love it. It is. It is. I'm I'm having trouble. I'm playing it on. I'm playing it on like super wimp mode, and the, like it's so difficult to find ammo. And I like to shoot. Like that's the best part of that game is like killing zombies, and it's so hard to find the ammo. Like, you gotta be very strategic. So you're still in the police station. Look around for items. Oh yeah, I just like I when I tell you, I've literally played the game three times. Like I'm that fresh on playing it. Okay, yeah. So uh, I just <laughs> this to, is a part I, of the segment I, where it's like, okay, like, the walkthrough of Resident Evil Two. <laughs> I literally just got into the police station, and I think I got to the part where I got the first the first key that was like the spade or whatever to unlock those doors. That's literally how far I've gotten so far because that's how bad my attention span is when it comes to video games. This was yeah. There's like a couple ago. puzzles you need to figure out to uh, unlock <laughs> yeah, the other like keys. To unlock, yeah, to unlock like the safe in um, the commissioner's office or whatever the hell it is. Like, yeah, I haven't gotten that far yet because I literally started two weeks ago and I haven't touched the game since. Yeah, so when you get the key, you got to go um, up on the second floor and try to go through the other doors, the other side of the building, and you should be able to see Claire or Leon, whoever you're playing as. Yeah, because I started as Claire. Of course, you would. You sexy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sexist. I wanted to see the girl kick ass because I remember her her character, like, listen, because my dad plays them too. So it's funny because we're, like, going back and forth talking about the differences from when it was released on PlayStation as opposed, like, when it first came out in, like, whatever, 97-ish, 98, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, you're playing the new version and he's like, it's not even the same thing. He goes, they changed this. This puzzle's not the same. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dad, I didn't even pick up all of that. I'm like, I'm just trying to find ammo. <laughs> well, also, I mean, like they have to reinvent for something for a bigger market as well, which is I, which is what I get for most part with even remakes and stuff like that. Like, uh, like, God forbid, how many, part- how many, how many years did it take for people to like, except that the Friday 13th remake is actually a good, like, tribute to the series. Because everyone was so like, all remakes suck, all remakes suck. And they put out a decent one, and people are like, it all sucks. Well, well that's know, because, you know, it. and then Nightmare on Elm Street tried to come back with that reboot after they did. And I, I think the Friday the 13th reboot was way better than the Nightmare one. Volume's better. And also... As a little side note, because I have to say it, Derek Mears is one of the greatest people alive. Yeah. He really is. He's the most kind person ever. Yeah. He, I, it's, it always makes you think, and I know it's been discussed numerous times, he's like, does he play monsters to like, like just vent everything? Because yeah. he is such a warm and approachable man. And it just makes think... you wonder, why is he so good being monsters? Oh. Yeah, like there was like the one weekend where the the last rock and shock I went to, I think he was at. And um, like, you never ever saw him at all throughout the entire course of the weekend without a smile on his face. 
no, and, and like you can see the exhaustion, but he was, he would still take a picture and still smile and be able to smile and, yeah. you know, be appreciative of the fact that people care and did you also, his work. Because he, he is a performer. Did you know he has like a stand up troupe? No. Yes, no, he has, he, he, Yeah, he's, he's got, it's not like, maybe it's not stand up, but it's, it's an improv group. That's what it is. It's like a comedic improv group. I forget exactly what the name is, but. I would totally definitely check that out, but it also makes so much sense because he is a character actor for the most part because the majority of like stuff he has to do is he has has to like accentuate and exaggerate like his body and gesture and all that. And that really helps when you're like doing comedic things and all that. And also why in Holliston, he's such a funny character as the sheriff, Sheriff Duffy, I think is his character in Holliston. And I, 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 I love Derek regardless. I'm trying not to be biased, but just in general, his whole catalog is amazing. You know, he's been in things that you don't even know he's been in. He's been predators. He's been the majority of monsters or all the monsters. I think in the sleepy hollow show that was on Fox for a while, not that bad. Got if you have second season, but regardless, Um, but man, that guy has been everywhere. And I loved Holliston because it definitely had, like, a lot of, like, reflections in, um, you know, stuff that, uh, you know, like, us horror fans going to cons and all that and just yeah. having aspirations for doing something bigger. And uh, and then Adam reached out because it got a big boom on Shudder. It was like, hey, do you want to do a design for Holliston? And he's like, it's cool if you don't want to. If you're not into it, just say the word and we'll find someone else. And I was like, <laughs> obviously, I'm definitely going to do it. And I was like, "Oh my god, I am so in." Because they got more Holliston coming. Are you are you able to speculate on that? Or? I'll just say, buy more shirts. There you go. Your shirts will fund the the next season of Holliston. Right? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying uh, people Matt should Fisher. buy more shirts. I uh, Matt, uh, send your lawsuits to Matthew Fisher at Shop Trader <laughs> with Melody. Um, How did that actually happen? Like, how dare you? You said this. Um, <laughs> But I yeah, it it was such an honor because I I because we were you know kind of a little iffy and kind of scary about the idea. But I'm so honored and I'm so happy that I was able to draw Odorous. Yes, as official Holliston merchandise and all that. Yeah, that's cool. because I mean, not many people get to say that, especially yeah. now. When I, it, it was definitely I really focused on drawing him too he was the funnest character as you can see on the shirt too and uh what's what's really cool too is what i was told by adam was uh when they usually do t-shirts since they're not a merch store they usually reach out to other companies and they have their own graphic designer and stuff like that to make designs and stuff and because of holliston they did people did reach out to them saying like hey we want to design a shirt for you you can do all this or they can recycle an old logo or all that. And they were thinking about what they could do. I am the first artist they directly commissioned to do something for their site originally. Word up. Not through a company, not through anything else. They came to me directly. Hell yeah. There so it is. please, buy the shirts. Because, yeah. oh my god. We'll my nerdy sure heart ex- my I'm so excited, but I also don't want to come off as like. We'll make sure we link, we post a link, we'll link in the for the show so that sure. people can go and buy your stuff. But also, just understand, it's like I get so anxious talking about it because I don't want people to think like, 
oh yeah, look at him flaunting, being a big shot, whatever. It's like, you don't understand. I'm freaking out about this. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's nuts. Yeah. It's surreal. It's very surreal. That's the perfect word. It's so surreal. I, I'm, I'm. Well, with the with with everything that you've dealt with over the last few years, if there's anybody that I'm glad to see something positive happening for them, it's definitely no. you. Thank you. Sure. I um, really do appreciate that. Sincerely. You, you're you're really you're a phenomenal artist, and for the fact that Adam Green reached out to you himself to have you come aboard and you know do something for him and be a part of the hatchet world and the Holliston world. That's big for you and you deserve it. I even heard they, they recently uh, like, as we're recording this, I I guess is uh, um, they recently released um, the movie crypt podcast had the publisher um, James Couric, who um, I worked with, with the comic and I guess they briefly, they talk about me in the podcast, which is also pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. Because we recorded, James reached out and said, like, oh, we talked to you about you a little bit. But I also found out that that part of it isn't public. It's the other hour on their Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, ah, of course it is. But I remember I slipped up on the treadmill when I was first doing the hatchet shirts. Yeah. Because Adam Green dropped my name on the podcast while talking about like, Oh yeah, there's t-shirts It's illustrated by the artist Alex Roy. And I was like, that's like the care, a guy from a sitcom turning their head on TV saying like you, you know, it's, it's, it's like insane. doing a double take. Like, did he just say my name on, you know, whatever the podcast what? was like, or Maybe? he just said my name on live TV. He just said my name on the air. Like, Holy shit. Did that yeah. just happen? That just happened. It's it's very surreal. It almost still feels like an ongoing joke. And there are times where I still feel like, am I just like... You're not getting it, punked. Like, it, it, like, am I suffering some form of, like, really bad mental illness that I can't perceive certain things in my life? And this is how I perceive them? Yeah. Well, I, if that's like, how you're perceiving them... Keep it going. Keep it <laughs> I kind of want to know if I'm, go- if I'm going to be absolutely insane in a in a spongy room i want to see how far i can bend my reality if you get my drift well, if you're going to be in that spongy room make that spongy room your bitch and you know make a giant mural in there because if reality is this, because you're only going to have crayons at that point but also what encouraged me too is that i got so inspired by all this you know influx of things and so many people saying nice things just like you guys and you know just like I'm kind of like spinning my wheels a little bit of just like sheer excitement because I'm just like, how is this happening? This is surreal. What can I do? It's just like, uh, I know there's more to me than people see because all, because people know what I can do from what they establish, but I can do more than what people expect. I can write. Yeah. A lot of people don't know I can do stand up. A lot of people don't know my, my a lot experience. Of people don't know the real Alex. They only know what you let them see. Exactly. So the only way to do that is my own projects. So I'm continuing to try to do some of my passion projects and hopefully over time people actually see the um, stuff I aspire to work on with my own original works because I've had many people approach me about projects I want to collab on all that, but I also don't want to be in a box because a lot of people see my cartoony stuff. People don't know I can do more than that. People don't even know I can do 3D. You know, I can do intricate things. I can do animation. I can do all these things, but 
We're going to be no. posting all your information and, you know, that way you can get slammed with some more business for, you know, stuff you can draw up for other companies now. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be focusing more on Patreon, trying to show more people. I, I, I think I'm going to try to, uh, do more with YouTube, do more with, uh, uh, just presenting myself to the outer world because it's it's so weird having all these abilities but still having like not so many followers knowing that I've done like all this stuff in yeah. a way it's uh not that followers matters but that six percent always does to market yourself that's always a thing yeah you guys you guys know that infamous six percent right tell the public tell the world out there about the six percent okay so if you have a th- this is like this is like legit data. If you want to know analytics about getting anywhere and all that, it's, it's a harsh reality. If you have a hundred people that love you and dedicate that follow you, only six of them will engage. If you have a donation site, say you're doing a Kickstarter and you have a hundred followers, only six of them will donate. So you have to work on that 6%. That's my experience. That's my experience with things too. Yeah. It's a harsh reality, but that's like the, 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 the thing we have to work from because it's just like if you have like a million followers, you have like, okay, we have like this this amount work to work in. Okay, cool. Um, because it's because I have a lot of friends that like love my work and all that, but I know they're not donating a dollar to my Patreon, even though it's not that much. It's still like they love support, but it's a lot of stuff. And I don't hold any venom towards people, even though you guys don't donate. Anyway, you know, just um, <laughs> donate my heart, my heart and love. That's enough. That's enough. For and anything. it's worth nothing. I bought. <laughs> no, no, no. I bought some stuff at the booth once. The no, I'd appreciate I that. At all, is like Jesus walking across the water. So, <laughs> I, I'd be, I'd be living under a rock if I buy everything I want. <laughs> I have two Alex Hoy pins oh. on my backpack as we speak. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and I got a couple of stickers around here. Sure. Actually, they're probably stuck to my laptop. And I do want to pick up. Oh, do you have the Victor Crowley sticker at all? I That's the one I actually don't have. I think you were sold out. Oh, that's good because if anybody wants those stickers, those are now a really rare item because I don't think I'm ever going to make them stickers again because now that's official, like, Aeriscope merchandise. Yeah. You know, I don't think without permission I can do those stickers anymore. And, you know, so if anyone does have those stickers, that's now a rare collectible item. Alex is selling them for $500 a sticker. On eBay. Wants one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can probably just reach out to Adam for a signature. Maybe I can do it that way. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what you do. Hey, you say, hey, we'll the favor, bud. Look it up. The, um... Uh. Yeah, no, he, he's done a lot of good things. You also got to do, um, was it Second Place? Color the comic for Second Place, was it? Yeah, I'm currently coloring the comic for Second Place, which is going to be uh, released next year for from SourcePoint Press. I'm currently uh, motoring as fast as I can and trying to get all the colors done on that. And uh, it's illustrated by Ed Smith, and it's written by Ben Goldsmith. The only unfortunate thing is that my name does not have a smith in it then it would have been <laughs> um hoy smith just doesn't have a good ring to it <laughs> i never know, I know uh, oh i used to i used to get uh i used to get like uh, japanese telemarketers as a kid calling up my house because we got racially profiled thinking we were we were some form of mandarin or asian or something like that because we kept getting like is, is mr hoy home or something like that i, I 
(laughs) (laughs) They were always screaming. I did not know. And I just remember them speaking very bad English, asking for someone who spoke anything. And it's like, what? Hoy is Irish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing second place with uh, the very talented uh, writer Ben Goldsmith, who some people probably know from the Seance Room, which is a really good book. Like I highly recommend that book because it's got like this really cool kind of Twilight Zone kind of thing where it's like this Seance guy, like like summons ghosts that do different things, different people that are like different aspects and just. I don't want to give away anything. Please just go check out the book, especially there's, there is a bunch of stuff you can get, especially since it's a holiday season. You can even yeah. get like a desk mat with the seance room artwork. It looks beautiful. It's all that. I know I'm not like, I have no involvement with this book. I love Ben and all that. It's not even biased. It's just genuinely good. Go get it. Um, <laughs> and uh, Ed is an amazing artist. Um, it was very interesting coloring his artwork because his artwork is uh, uh, it's, it's, very cartoony, very Hanna-Barbera, and the way I'm stylizing the artwork is trying to give it a bit of a third dimension, which has been insane because a lot of his artwork is um, very specific and doesn't lend itself too well with certain, like, like lighting. So I have to kind of flub it. Yeah. And they're liking how I'm doing it, and I'm glad because uh, Ben hired me on to be the colors because he saw I showed him years ago my passion project I was working on when I was encouraged after my dad's passing to go forward and do what I wanted to do. And I made up a quick comic comic. I made all my own. He said, I could color. He's like, Hey, do you want to color on this comic? And I'm like, hell yeah. And it's been doing that ever since. And it got a little bit, um, it, 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 uh, it got a little bit stalled a little bit because I had Adam Green drop in for a minute. And I was like, yeah. hey, Ben, can we put a little bit of, of a gap so I can work on this real quick while I'm doing your stuff? So, yeah, I'm always working. <laughs> That's kind of the key to the whole thing, right? I really want a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with that... Being- Venezuela, beachside... <laughs> with a bikini-clad chick bringing you margaritas. <laughs> I would also love that too, but I also know the sad reality is that I'm violently Irish in my in my in my blood heritage. <laughs> I get moon burns for God's sakes. Oh goodness! Uh, I once got a sunburn from just wearing a sweater all day. For God. Oh yeah, I've gotten that before. It's the Irish. <laughs> oh, it so is. It's like I what? don't have enough of it in my blood. <laughs> Oh God, it's 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 a curse. I just uh Yeah, the Spanish kind of took the Spanish side of me kind of took over. At least I don't have to worry about, you know, burning the second I walk outside like a vampire. I'm straight up a tall vampire. Just gone. And oh this this is a fun story I can probably tell you guys. When I was a kid, I legitimately thought my grandma was a vampire. Interesting. Because Why? so when I was a kid, I would go over to my grandma's house. My grandfather passed away, so it was just her all alone in the house. She would never, like, go to bed. She would, like, fall asleep in her chair while she was watching TV. And the TV would just keep going until, like, it was, you know, just nonsense and whatever or infomercials and stuff. And so she would sit there and lie back with her mouth agape while only lit up by the TV in the room, like, going all the way up to her recliner. And she would talk in her sleep. 
And the way she talked would not be like, she would be like, <laughs> and it was so terrifying because sound like I'd a never, satanic record being played backwards. <laughs> it, it was so scary. And the only way to get her to stop is when I went to the metal channel. I'm not even joking. I would go to <laughs> metal yeah. and she would go. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but it was like tested. I changed the channel and change it back. And she would go revert back to normal. I don't know what it was. She had scabs. She would scratch on her neck that had two dots every single time. So it looked like two bite marks in her neck. Okay. It was like, all right, that's a lot of coincidence. She had bats in her house constantly that we needed to get out. So bats were constantly flying in and out of the house. It's like, okay, that's also iffy. She never went outside during the day. She would go out during the porch every so often, but never in direct sunlight. Uh, Grandma only went outside on cloudy days. I'm getting convinced you're going to have to start arguing <laughs> against her not being a vampire. I know. <laughs> I was always afraid to go in the basement because I always felt something was off going on down there. And she would always encourage me to go down there and always we all ran back up really quickly. You That's know, where she like, kept all the neighborhood kids she was hiding. <laughs> yeah. Or grandpa. I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> True enough. Um, but uh, she would always encourage me to go sleep in the upstairs twin bedroom. And I was always scared to go off and sleep on my own. I was like someone in the room or to call or anything else because I was a little kid. You know, I just wanted to be, you know, in the proximity and wouldn't want to be alone. But she always encouraged me to go up to the twin bedroom to go up there and sleep. But what I found weird is the twin bedroom was the only bedroom in the house that had a wreath of garlics on the door. That was the safe room. Yeah. I understand why you would think this. I I think we need to have Alex on talking about grandma on Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was a night I was sitting in bed staring at the ceiling, you know, with my eyes unable to sleep and just thinking like, Oh my gosh, she put that on the door so she wouldn't eat me during her, you know, her bloodthirst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And left it so I, she would be deterred to enter my room. That's nice of her. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like Grandma for that reason. Oh, this is an awesome movie idea. <laughs> she got the call. She's getting that Christmas call just for. I mean, if you want something similar to that, I guess you can just watch Kronos. That's true. <laughs> that is true, yeah. That's ah, a good movie. Put our own spin on it. <laughs> it's so weird seeing Ron Perlman that young, you know. Ron Perlman was never young. It feels like he's always got. I'm 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 currently going through Sons of Anarchy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love. I we met Ron Perlman. He's a beast. That's he's at some local convention. We met him. I know. Me and the Hawk got to meet him. Got his. Art. I met him. I met him at the Foxwoods Comic Con. A few years back, maybe that's what it was because he doesn't come around that much. Yeah, yeah. he was. He there walked past me the... once. That's all I got. I got. Yeah, that's pretty much what I got too because the line was so long. I got tired of waiting. I had Hawk buy me the autograph because I didn't know if I was going to meet him, and then I went. I went through the line later in the day, and uh, I seen him, and I was like, "Hey," and he's like, "What up, bro?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that dude, I I still campaign. I do not care. I still desperately want Hellboy 3. I want it so bad. With him. (laughs) 
Because they have an idea of what they want to do for the third movie, and it sounds awesome. Have you guys heard what they want to do for the third movie? Oh, is this a Guillermo thing? Is he returning too? Well, that's what they want to do. I would He's, love to see that. Yeah. I know I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of this one with David Harbour. David Hartman, that one failed. I heard. Yeah. I I I heard that it was decent things to the comics, which I'm always down for. But it's yeah. too soon to do a reboot like that. I mean, you. I, I don't get why some people do reboots too quickly because it's like that doesn't help marketing wise, especially in the ether of things because they're just running to, out of ideas. It's, but also it doesn't make even it doesn't even make sense for the market because people know things that are already previously established. And if you don't give something new to people, but if you like like for example, the Amazing Spray Man reboot is still the Guinness Book World Records of the fastest reboot they ever did, and that stuff failed hard. Yeah. Like it failed big. They did not expect Amazing Spider-Man 2 to lose to Guardians of the Galaxy. That is something they did not expect at all. Because Spider-Man is one of the biggest brands in the world, and to lose that to a talking raccoon in a tree made them <laughs> lose their minds. Yep. Because when you have a market, you, you want to uh, be able to engage an audience. And when the audience is familiar with a certain something, and you quickly change the rules real quick with all these new uh, ideas that are not innovative or even ex- execute things worse. Because yeah. I did not like what they did with making Spider-Man. They lost the whole point of it. Like, they made Peter Parker a chosen one story, that he was destined to be Spider-Man. Only he can be Spider-Man. Which is the exact opposite message they gave in Spider-Verse years later, that anybody can be Spider-Man. Because yeah. that's the point of Spider-Man. He's an every guy that got bit, and he just, you know, with great power, with great responsibility, it's- it's, it's a simple-ass thing. But so, the same thing with Hellboy. People are familiar with Ron Perlman and, like, that Hellboy universe. And the very interesting way that only Del Toro can pull off a movie with his sensibilities. Yeah. Because it happened the same thing with uh, uh, Pacific Rim. When they did a sequel without him, it's a drastically different movie. They made Power Rangers. It did not have his, you know, his grit that he has and puts in his right. films. Uh, but... With Hellboy, they were thinking about concluding it with a trilogy would be Hellboy embracing his destiny that he would have to take on that power of ending the world and what he would do with it. Mm. It would be about him taking that destiny because it would show his kids. Because if you remember from the teaser from the last movie, you know, the movie's been out for a while. Go watch it. Yeah, um, he would He would have two kids. There would be, I think, like, they would be twins, and the cute one was going to be evil, and the ugly one was supposed to be really kind. Mm. And, ah, it would have been great. And it's, it also makes sense for Hellboy to be a dad, because Mike Mignola made Hellboy based on his father, if people don't know that. Interesting. And uh, that's why he's kind of a grit, blue-collar type dude that just wants the day to be over. He's not like... Like in a random bunch, it's like hero guy. Like, yeah, let's do this. He, he wants to go home and have smoke his cigar, have a beer, and play with he his has, cat. Yeah, he has that Al Bundy slouch to him for sure. I think that's what's so endearing about the character because he's, it's like this is his nine to five. He just needs to get this over with. <laughs> I I love that, and I just it's I find it amazing that so many remakes are happening, but whenever you see something that's executed in a really bad way that doesn't make sense for a brand. You yeah. can usually blame a producer for doing that. Like a really odd decision. Like, have you guys seen that documentary of uh, the death Superman lives? What happened? Yeah. 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 
and that that documentary slowly became about that batshit crazy producer they had. Mm. The big spider, yeah. That guy produced Man of Steel. In Wild Wild West. In Wild Wild West. I like and how like, fight people. That was the best part. He put concept artists in headlocks to show them what manliness is for Superman. How big of a fucking pussy you gotta be. Sorry to curse like that out of the blue, oh, but like... Yeah. But, I off YouTube now. Uh, <laughs> I'm so crass. <laughs> I told my mom I was gonna be on this tonight, and she was like, don't curse so much. And I'm like, okay. And I immediately come on, you guys are like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, we got potty mouths. You can blame us. Mom, <laughs> um, see? <laughs> it's all Melissa and Maddie's fault. They got to do it. They well, have to say the swears. Off, well, if they jumped off a bridge, are you going to jump with them? <laughs> yes. I, I love my mom sometimes. She's like, you shouldn't curse so much. And sometimes she'll do something immediately and just go, ah, fuck. You know? <laughs> I, just, I use the F word like parsley. You know, like, uh, sprinkle it. Sprinkle here, sprinkle there. <laughs> you know? I definitely need to cut back on it because I, cause I, I, I learned, uh, I think my 20s has totally been just learning to... Um, my sarcasm as a teenager is dead because mm. I realize there's too many stupid people in the world and you have to be more direct. Yep. And also sarcasm is people still do it. Teenagers especially do it, but people who are overly sarcastic are totally hiding that they don't know what they're talking about and they're trying to sound more intelligent. So when people are sarcastic all the time, they're totally insecure and just pretending like they're over everything, even though they're just like, they don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's all teenagers do that, but my god, it's so annoying when like middle aged dudes are overly sarcastic, and it's just like, dude. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, especially with like the whole past year and just dealing with people and facetiousness and sarcasm and swearing and all that definitely had to be cut back because it's not just professionalism, but sometimes you want to get to a point quicker and. Uh, swears are to emphasize things and when you swear all the time you don't emphasize anything so when you like like this fucking thing even stan lee even did a, a recent cartoon did you guys see that no they they recently uh, released this audio of stan lee that someone animated of him talking about the f word and how it's great it's great <laughs> uh and uh oh let me let me tell you a really great story real quick it's very yeah. short it's very short no um so my, I can tell you when my uh, facetiousness and sarcasm really took a big hit because obviously I can never really get rid of that aspect of personality, but this is definitely where I learned need to uh, be uh, specific in your verbiage. You never know who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, so uh, for a while, I used to go to festivals and I would face paint kids. I would get tips and paid and do face painting on kids. It was a very low paying job and... Uh, kids are great. Parents are not. That's a lesson I learned a majority of times. I don't do caricatures anymore because I hate dealing with the parents versus the kids because kids love drawings, but my God, how pretentious some people can be when it's just like, you're paying me $5 for a quick picture. I'm not going to spend hours making it super artsy. Don't waste my time with that because people want the novelty again. Anyway, I was painting kids' faces. They would come up and... I was dealing with, like, really, you know, fresh parents, 
you know, with me, way more attitude than kids. I remember painting this girl's face and this mom walked, walked over to me and she was like, I don't want my kids, fa- my, I don't want my kids face being painted all day because I want her to run around and get tired so she can be able to sleep tonight. Even though her daughter was 13 years old and not like a toddler. Yeah. It was madness. And she was like cursing her half in front of these children talking about like, like she was saying, she was saying bitch. She was like, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but listen, I just want to fuck. It's just like, like, <laughs> The like hip, the kid's the, thirteen. Um, if you didn't want her to have her face painted, you either a shouldn't have paid for her or given her the money to have it done <laughs> instead oh, look, of coming over here and taking it out on me. I nearly babysat like all these kids at like this event I was at. All of them around me because I live very funny, entertaining around kids. And uh, obviously, I don't curse around them, but I love kids. I love that they. Uh, I I I. I uh, I love to encourage kids, especially as like a teacher and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like, um, as a kid that was like very sad as I, like when I was young, I was very sad. I didn't know how to um, express my feelings. So when I talk to kids, I usually can find a way of like to, um, relate to them and make yeah. them feel at ease. Cause I think too many people get older and they forget like why it's hard to be a kid yeah. because being a kid is essentially like walking into a party, not knowing like where everything is. So just be courteous to the new party guests that come in. They they're not going to inherently know where everything is. And I think a lot of people forget that and go like, "Kids these days, overly sensitive, whatever." They just don't know. They're expecting you to teach them. Why is that hard? Um. So I've painted these kids' faces all day. I got no money because I was on tips. Kids have no money. Parents don't care. And I talked to the event person as was like you know. Where they really you? don't care. They gave me like 20 to 50 bucks or whatever. That's fine. It, it, it was, I, those kids had a good time and that's all I cared about. I had nothing else going on that day and those kids were entertained. So it was the end of the day. We're all hot. We're all tired and all that. And they're like, what should we do now? And so I let the kids paint my face. Oh, boy. So they all lost their minds with the glitter. And they made me the most horrific, glitterly, glitterly, <laughs> glittering, glitterly. Bleh, that made the made me the most ridiculous looking clown you could imagine. They painted my <laughs> whole face. So your face looked like you got gang banged by Crayola. Oh, <laughs> uh, it it looked like a long shoot. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but. Man, I remember I, I was I was a straight up clown. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go wash this off before I head out. All the kids are laughing, they have a good time, and I'm like, I'm glad they had a great time. And I was heading back towards the bathroom and the event person comes up with a big old smile on her face and she's like, Oh hey Alex, how's it going? I'm just like, How are the kids? And I I turn around like, Oh, they're awful, look at my face, blah, you know, just like really <laughs> funny. I was and she was like, Oh, okay. And um I went and, you know, washed my face off and, you know, was there whatever with that and you know Two months later, crossed by, didn't think about it too much because it was another day Still taking off. better off your face. <laughs> still had a little flex, I was still picking off. Um, and uh, I was at a VFW and I walked up to, uh, or I was approached by the person who had that held that event, that same person I just said. And she, she said, hey, Alex, how's it going? And I was like, good. And she, she said, oh, by the way, Alex, I just want to tell you, don't worry. Don't worry about anything that happened back then. I may, I got all those kids punished. Oh. oh what? 
<laughs> and I was like, what? What the hell are you talking about? And she was like, oh, after it, you came up to me and said they were being mean to you and all that kind of stuff. So I contacted all their parents and told them about how cruelly they treated you and made sure that each one of them got uh, grounded or punished oh, or no. all these things just because, you know, so don't worry. All these kids were totally reprimanded for how cruelly they treated you back then. I just want to let you know that. Oh, that's awful. So now I don't know if I have like a generation of children, this small group that have a vendetta against me through this miscommunication. Because I'm sure they're at home like, no, he was fine with it. He he told us to do it. Like, what? Uh, And uh, I'll never forget that of just like, you never know what kind of adult you may be talking to. Because I still think about that. I was still just like, all of them punished? Yeah. They did nothing wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is dark. That's a little dark. A little that's, That sucks, you know? Hopefully the parents didn't listen too deep. They just, you know... I just worry about that one crappy parent that was like, my daughter's 13 years old. She, has to run, she can't get her face painted all day. And it's like, she's clearly running around all day. I don't want to hear it. It's just like, <laughs> oh, God. I wonder why your teenage daughter's hating you. Ugh. And any, if any, you know, if you, you know, if any justifiable, uh, you know, feeling better, I'm sure that that parent didn't even talk to the kid. They could care less about this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what a double-edged sword of sad. Yeah, she wasn't in my. Yeah. she wasn't in my hair for 20 minutes, so you know, shouldn't you shouldn't. Yeah. Did you touch her? No. Okay. Let's go. Well, I got the phone call and just like, oh yeah, I have a kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. I was I looked like me and hung around. <laughs> what a world. What a world. This, kid, this person just kept calling me mom. That's what that's what uh, I would call my my mom. How weird. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't it sad there are people kind of that slow sometimes that are uh I think we all know people from our uh youth that have children now that when they announced on Facebook we all just went yeah because there's a lot of people that i went to school with that you know you could see the hamster wheel spinning but the hamster had been dead for years yep (laughs) when i see that you know the 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 opiate epidemic is everywhere and you see people that struggle with that having kids and it's horrifying yeah i i I, when you're a kid yourself for the most part if you're still like a man child and you don't have lots the, of those. It uh, you should never be that type of person. That's the first part of stepbrothers, and have that be like the person to be a dad. That's not good. <laughs> right, I agree completely. Because my God, yeah. there are, there are too many people uh, that are not not even just unequipped, but just like can't even take responsibility for themselves. But it's it's. You know, some people only do it for like a fashion statement. I know I'm speaking out my ass for the most part. No, for like, I know like, there's certain I see, situations. I see some people, and it's like, how did you have a kid? I don't. I'm still trying to figure out how you found your way out of the birth canal. Well, you know, there's multiple, <laughs> multiple bad reasons for having you know, people have kids to keep the relationship together. You know, never a good deal. People have kids because you know they got out. In some of respects, school. I'm really glad I don't have to worry. About high school it. now, they need something else to fill their time with, so they have kids. You know, just a bunch of like bad reasons. You know, and then 
sad, you know, you find it. I don't think kids really. In high school, I avoided that water. I almost, I feel like they don't know, they don't, the kids don't realize how bad it is until they get older and look back on it type deal. Because why really artwork is very different. good for everyone. I will say yeah. that. Not good for, yeah. It's but, you good know. for all ages. Take some stuff. Uh, hobbies are great too. I mean, like you can get a video game console, get interested in something, but don't don't just you know don't don't rush your life ahead to get to that point because again, it's not like that whole lie of like life is short. No, 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 no. You have plenty of time. You can you can head towards the elements. Some people don't have that privilege of having kids. You can adopt. You can do all these sorts of things, uh, but just. Don't do it because either it's expected or you're trying to uh, do something that's selfish because you're guaranteeing another life in the world. Don't do it because, like, because you see it all the time that people just do it just because, like, uh, either they're entrapping someone, like, oh, I'm going to keep my baby daddy by just, you know, having a baby. And it's just like they're now you're going to have this really. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Those are the unfortunate. It still keeps happening. I hate saying it, but still keeps happening out there. Yep. It's a weird thing where anybody can have a kid, you know, there's a problem with that, but then it's, it's freedom to do whatever. So like, it's weird to draw a line between who, who can and who can't. We obviously know people that shouldn't have been, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's, it's, unfor- I mean, that's one of the, the, you know, the saddest parts of it is the fact that anybody can just it don't take, you don't need to have any financial stability. You don't have to have a house. You don't have to have any of these things that you realistically should have to have a kid. You don't need to have these things to actually have, the, you know, to perform the act of sexual intercourse that brings in child. So it's unfortunate, you know, but yeah, you just got to be careful who you hold hands with. Right. Yeah. It's true. I mean, realistically that that's the deal. Just be careful. You know, there, there's more, there's more shock treatment ways of saying that comment, but Definitely, that's it. Is definitely be careful who you hold hands with and read books within the park. You know what I mean. Did you guys have sex ed class in high school? Yeah. Was it good? Oh, it was. Well, I don't know. Was it good for it was you? Hot and heavy. <laughs> no, my 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 sex ed classes were shit for the most yeah. part. Yeah, it was boring. They didn't like it, like now. Like they're handing out condoms to fifth graders, and I like I, I'm thinking back to like fifth grade, and I'm thinking I was still reading Babysitter Club books and playing with dolls. So you know, it's like come, yeah, it's come a long way. Now they're probably afraid. You know, it's very iffy. You know, and schools are so on edge nowadays. You know that you got to be very careful the way you push sex ed with not to offend parents or the kids or you know what I mean. It's a weird dynamic. The whole you know, thing. everything's a weird dynamic nowadays. You have to be careful how you approach everything. You know, it's a weird thing. It's like, but you also got to deliver it in a short brevity type way. But yeah. even with that, you're still going to anger people. It's also why I barely talk about politics with people right. because yeah, you're, you're kind of you're, damned if you do and damned if you don't. But it's but what I hate about like if it's uh if it's a social norm, politics or anything else, I cannot stand arbitrary like devil's advocate or the not all conversation when you're just saying offhand, where it's just like, like a girl that says, I hate it when guys do that. And then you immediately have that guy who's like, well, not all guys are like that. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, of course you idiot. Like really you believe everyone outside of yourself believes in absolutes. Are you insane? Like, like, yes, yes, I am. 
Like it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and I I just cannot stand when someone's like, yeah, but you do know that some people don't do this or some people don't do that, and it's just like, yeah, we'll address that one. Is we're just we're just speaking in a in a brevity and controlled group. Of course, there's always going to be situations. It's like it's like saying like sometimes to lose weight, it's good to run up the stairs really fast. And it's like, well, some people are in wheelchairs. Great, not what we're talking about. Right. There's a ramp. Something. Right. It's like clearly there's always a way. There's always a way, but it's like if you tried to please everyone, you're just going to be spending all day, you know, speaking and all that. And a lot of people, you know, spin their wheels and all that. And a lot of people are scared. And I think a lot of people are kind of getting the wrong mixed message about how the world is right now. That like, oh, the world's too overly correct. People are oh too sensitive. People are too sensitive. People, you gotta you gotta make everything. Uh, approachable you got to be inclusive to literally everybody you got to hit all these pillars you got to no we live in a day where there's less risk i feel because if you say everything you want of course there's going to be some flack about it yeah if it's not if it's bad it's bad but if you're thoughtful in what you in what you write or you project out into the world that's great if you want to be inclusive great if you if you uh if you don't make a point and if a point isn't met you know, you know, write it out because it's, I, I just find it that it's so weird. We live in a day where there are people that are worried about destroying their careers that they don't have. Yeah. Which I find ridiculous. It's like, it's like, man, I'm, I'm worried about getting canceled by girls. It's like, for what? You haven't made anything. Yeah. It's better to make something and fail and then recorrect it. You know, it's like, God, it's so frustrating. I, I like even my mom. She tells me like you got to be watch careful what you say online because years later it's like it's not going to matter what I say. I know my principles. I don't have any venom towards anybody. Yeah. If I say something that's not good years later from now, I'll address it or whatever. Sure, I'm a different person by then or whatever else. But should that not like be a problem? Like, like, like that for whole- example. That Kevin, it doesn't that matter what Kevin I say. Hart, like that whole Kevin Hart situation where they wouldn't let him host the Oscars because of a comment he had made about his son, like when his son was like an infant. Was that a homophobic yeah. thing? Yeah, it was a homophobic. He that made a homophobic a comment. I, I mean, yeah, but if I it's a it, comment but... that was made like. I could say something on this podcast right now that could be taken out of context years later. Right, and that's the thing. It's like I'm not scared about whatever I say because I, you know, like if I say something shitty, of course I'll address it. Like there's stuff I say that I regret, like all the time. I mean, well, not we all, all the time. It. Like oh, we all do it. We all we all say stuff, right? You know, but it doesn't matter what context you say something in, because someone can get offended by that. You know, yep. someone could get offended in some way, and it doesn't really matter because it's arbitrary and like what people take in or not and i don't think it's like something like oh we need to be careful about stepping on toes and it's like why don't you just step confidently because i think people respond to the confidence of what people say rather than people you know you know tiptoeing everywhere you know what i mean where it's like uh i'm not sure if i'm, I'm conveying that well enough no i get i get what you're saying where you're going like i i just really don't think that uh people should be scared i think people should embrace this kind of like new norm because uh yeah a lot of the 90s to early aughts was edge like everything was edgy 
Right. Like everything had to be crude. Everything had to be extreme. Yeah. And now the generational shift is now that everything is softer, more thoughtful of the impact that was. Yeah. And how generations work is that every generation punches softer than the next one because of the impact it's had previous. And it's, it's silly. And it's a long time coming. And the time that we're in right now is pretty exciting. But I think some people also do have to recognize the times we grew up in. Because if I remember the early 2000s, gay was the punchline of things. And not even smartly. It was just the punchline. Agreed, yeah. And some of my greatest friends are gay and, and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I remember me and my friends would say it offhand. Like, that's gay, that's gay, whatever, gay, blah, blah. And that was it. It wasn't my even gay, the context. I mean, even my gay friends at the time were making gay jokes, you know? So it's like... It just was like a, it becomes a norm well, without even realizing you're doing it sometimes. The meaning yeah, yeah, but if you're it, joking around. Yeah, right. exactly. It, 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 it's, it's all about the context. That, and, you know, it's another thing, yeah. Dark humor, facetiousness, it, it all plays a role, but there's never any venom around it. But there is something to address of just like, that was the norm. That's how everybody talked. And But we can also hear the same thing when grandpa used to drop the N-word all the time back in the house. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, we used to say this all the time back in the day. And it's like, okay, you know, it's like, it's unacceptable. Just don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And we don't. Like, only if you're going to prove a point, like me saying gay and all that stuff. But clearly saying gay is not as bad as and dropping else. the N-bomb or something. Right. Which a comedian did once at a stand-up show I was at, and that was insane. <laughs> what happened? Okay, so there is this dude who... uh he looked like Weird Al that wore this blouse, and we were at an open mic night, and he uh, he oh was an alternative humor kind of comedian. Yeah. So, like... I, so, it's his, not funny, but why don't you think it's funny? Exactly. <laughs> so, he came out, he pulled out a cupcake out of his backpack, Yeah. and he went, today's my birthday. And I was like, oh, woo, okay. Because it's a small room, you know, it's an open mic. And he pulls out a dinner candle, you know, like the very tall dinner candles. They ha- they have it like, you know, like fancy restaurants or whatever, or a romantic dinner. And he sticks that into his cake, or sticks that into his, his cupcake, and then lights it. Yet the joke, how unorthodox, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, so wait- everyone's sitting there in silence trying to wait for the joke to happen. Yeah, but, but the whole candle thing was the joke. Who spawned that type of comedian? I know that's got some carrot top in it, but who spawned that type of not funny I, but think they're funny, ironic comedian? I got to imagine it's like a combination of internet humor and people who have no self-awareness. Yeah. Because one of the disciplines I learned definitely doing stand-up comedy is, God, please do it so you can understand how to read a room. Yeah. Because you can tell when you're dying – on stage when the room is receptive to it and you can pick up on all the things quick. And when comedians are unsubaware, this guy was definitely the go-to like, Oh my God, stop. Don't. (laughs) Uh, We had three black comedians that night and they, they were, they're all great. They're still doing stand-up comedy. I love them. They're just wonderful. But so this guy went up to them and asked them if, if it was cool, if he did this joke and all of them said, no, this is not a good joke to do. And he went on stage 
Novice jokes landed, as you know. You got some pity laughs, you know, like, oh, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, like the sad, like, Valley Girl goes, ah, that's funny. You're so funny. It's like, <laughs> that you could, you could make a noise to project that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he went, how do you say? He, he went, and he's like, I find it weird every time I'm called the, and then he dropped the end bomb and everyone in the room was like, Oh, what the dude, why, why are you doing that? It was like all the times I'm referred to that, like trying to be like this weird, like, why would he be called that? And he clearly was getting flustered on stage and everyone in the room is like, just like, dude, at straws. So let's try this. He tried to failed shock humor. And I was laughing my ass off at the absurdity of how stupid it was because all those comedians that told him no all joined in a circle and they're rocking back and forth together and like singing a song of like, it was the surrealist shit of just like, what the hell? Sounded like they were having like a kind of kumbaya moment. Have you guys ever like experienced a moment of like absolute cringe? Yeah. That you had to absorb to like tell as a story later, <laughs> so you just took in everything at once. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So this guy was on stage. He was getting red faced. He was getting flustered. He was just like, uh, he's just like, if you guys have a problem with this, you can you can tell me off stage. And as soon as his minutes was up, he bolted out the door, like shot right through the crowd out to the door, and was never to be seen again that night. And when the host of our stand up show. Uh, was leaving. We we're going to do a roast for him as he left. The guy came back and the bouncer stopped him saying, no, you are not allowed to come back in this building. That's wow. not happening. Yeah. And the guy, we could even hear him like out on the balcony because we're on the few floors up and he was just like, just like, why? He's like crying and all that stuff. And like, everyone's just kind of like, dude, what did you expect? Yeah. You said something horrible and then ran away after saying, like, come talk to me after, and then ran. That Maybe shocking next. thing. Yeah. That shock thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Self-awareness is important. Yeah. Certain people can do it well, and certain people just can't. It's like, like, there's an art to it. Even when you're seeing the, like, the, the, the professional, real big heavyweight comedians tossing around things like race and such and, you know, stuff that's, you know, a little risque that you really get to tap dance and be careful around. Um, you know, they've worked that material out so long, you know what I mean? They're not just going up there. Well, maybe Louis C.K., but most people don't just. I'll, I'll bring up. up uh, uh, I'll bring up. Uh, oh, of course. Now I realize all the comedians that supported me. I loved all the comedians that were part of. Uh, um, oh, what was their group? But Brian Posehn, Pat Oswalt, uh, David Cross. Um, uh, what was the name of their troupe that they had together? I forget what, you know, uh, uh, Maya Rudolph. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. but I'm kidding. Me too. I can't remember the name of the troupe, though. Yeah, that was the one I was struggling on earlier. Yes, I love those guys. Um, if you're going to edit, just splice in this part where I'm flubbing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like uh, I saw David Cross in Northampton, Massachusetts, do some stand up. And what I don't get is that when sometimes when someone's trying to talk about a joke that has a serious subject, or they're being facetious, or talking about something dark, like if you're talking about like a like abuse from the police or anything like that, yeah. there are people that get very touchy on that subject. Oh, yeah. But they won't even wait for them to make the point they're making. They already go off the handle, getting so angry 
that they even brought up the subject. Yeah. You know? And I, I you can I, I, I am all for that you can joke about anything because I know there's a lot of people who's like, oh, you can't joke about anything. Because yeah. it's just like, no, no bars. If you're going to say anything, make a point. That's that is the point of a joke. Yeah. Make a point and you know it, it it's stupid. It's it's just dumb when uh people gatekeep certain things. Because I I don't like that I like I don't like people who gatekeep I don't like people who put a a, a label and box and everything I don't, I don't like that, um, because I think it condenses uh I think it's a weird uh purple horseshoe of uh, censoring everything in a way where if you don't allow different expressions of certain you know th- subjects and whatever you you don't allow new ideas to be made anyway, uh, like for example David Cross was talking about. Uh, police brutality and stuff like that. And before he could even get to the point of the joke he was getting at, people got up, like told him to go screw himself, and they walked out of the building. Yeah, because I think they came in expecting chipwrecked or something with David Cross, or seeing him in like you know, curb uh, enthusiasm. Like enthusiasm, yeah, or you know, uh, 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 what? Oh god, I they want the was. they oh, want the can yeah. they want the candy version of everything. Well, Mr. Yeah. Show, right? Yeah, they. It's like a Bob Saget thing where, like, you see him. Perfect on example. America's funniest home videos in Full House, and then you go see his stand up, and he's really, like, raunchy. Yeah. Oh, I love Iago from Aladdin. I'm going to go see what he is in, in, yeah. in stand up. And it's like, <laughs> oh. It's, uh. Don't bring your kids. <laughs> you guys, it's amazing when you see a lot of these, like, adult comedians pop up in, like, uh, cartoons and shows like that because the parent is being marketed. Like, oh, I'll enjoy the, the, this, uh, this the underlying cartoon. adult theme. George like, Carlin and, um, Thomas the Train. Yeah. Or I still think it's fascinating. I hope one day DreamWorks releases all this, um, like, gatekeeded, like, dialogue. But did you know the original Shrek was Chris Farley? I, I yesterday I was listening to audio from that. Believe it or not, yeah, really, yeah. They have audio of him and um, Eddie Murphy going back and forth. Yeah, there's that. There's a uh, um, there's an animatic that they animated. No, uh, I was listening to Michael uh, Michael uh, Michael Myers do uh, Mike Myers do. He was talking about the Farley thing and how like originally they. They didn't tell him that Farley was involved. Like right after Farley died, they like they, they pushed the project on him and he was like, The character looks a lot like Farley. Like, oh we'll change it up, we'll change it up. But he didn't know that there was already dialogue recorded. Um and I didn't know that until le- literally yesterday, so that's funny you brought that up. Because I I I love the Shrek franchise and I feel really mixed that there are ideas to reboot Shrek, which I think is an awful idea. Not because it's like a brand not to bring back, but it's also a thing that was part of its time in a way yeah. that'd be hard to reinvent the wheel today. But also the people who are pioneering that are the people who, uh, cause if some people don't know this, but a lot of, uh, DreamWorks was purchased by the people who did illumination, the guys who did the minions movies mm. and their brand first before story, because I don't know if you guys ever seen minions or despicable me, they're fun kids movies. But they're not good stories. They are brand yeah. first. They're yeah. all about the minions. They're all about the merchandise and recycle cliches and all that. Yeah. And I love animation. I'm a cartoonist. I love all that. But when you have this ability to do anything, to to express any way, to tell stories, 
yeah. and you do the most minimal, lazy stuff to do that, I feel is a real insult to the genre. Because, yeah. or not genre, may I correct myself. Animation is a medium. You can make anything in it. And people who disparage it clearly don't understand that 90% of movies today is animated. Do you really think Infinity War was made without animators? Right. That thing was made with computers and people who had to animate that and render it. Yeah. And it's... People just see animation as just being cartoon elements. They don't realize the animation process that goes into these big budget movies. It's all, it even it goes over to like overseas where it's taken more seriously, or you just have good decent stories, and usually people stigma it as uh, children because it's a safer market to you know appeal people in where it doesn't have too much. Uh, you can't go too full adult, or you'll get something in the Sausage Party, which is not a bad movie. I think it's a fun. Oh fun no, movie. it's it's definitely it's, a fun hysterical movie. But it's still if Rogan movie. It's funny, but it also holds on that crux that, like, hey, it's a cartoon that says the F word. Yeah. And it's like, it, it doesn't really innovate much. Right. But you get stuff like Iron Giant. That's yeah. amazing. Or uh, Prince of Egypt. Um, and, uh, like, I really love that movie Klaus on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have seen that. No, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'm familiar with Bravin Suter. Please go watch Klaus. That is one of the best animated movies I've seen in years. Hmm. Um. And it's made by a studio in Spain, and it's I hold it up there with uh, the same type of heart that Iron Giant had. Um, and it's on Netflix. Anybody can go watch it if you have a Netflix account. And it's about Christmas, in a way. Or take on it. That's all I'll say. But it's amazing. Uh, but there's so much disparagement in that kind of uh, animation, and I, I find it very frustrating with like things like Minions and all that. Like It sells... Like a lot of toys, therefore it gets more funding and it's encouraged to keep doing it. But I think it stifles, you know, voices out there to do it. And but what's amazing? It was like cute and, the first time around, and then it's like, okay, you wore it out with the first one. I mean, it's also kind of why Cars kept a long-lasting franchise because that stuff sold mm. critically. People don't like Cars. John Landis, the head of Pixar, clearly loves it because it was his idea and he directed it and whatever. Uh, but yeah, most people don't like Cars, but it sold a lot of toys. Yep. Uh, but uh, I don't want that to happen with Shrek, even though Shrek was a big giant, you know, merchandise, you know, thing. But people like Shrek because it had a heart. Yeah. And I, that's what I worry about. And I think people miss that message. And also why the films that follow up after like Shrek two didn't do as well is because it lost like the relatability. Cause everybody likes to, live vicariously through other people and you can get that quicker when you understand other people's foibles yeah. like stan lee like made spider-man this complex weird teenager that had a lot of problems and they did not like that idea it's like superheroes can't be teenagers they got to be sidekicks there's a standard this book is failing Ama- amazing fantasy number 15 you can throw your spider-man story in that if you want to sold big boom whatever and Spider-Man's still one of the most popular superheroes in the world because he is a screw-up. He's a failure. And, yeah, he still tries his best. And everyone can relate to that. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, if, if it's all brand-focused, you're not going to make something good, which is why Amazing Spider-Man failed. Why many of these uh, franchises don't get the same uh, 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 proper treatment yeah. Because they're not handled by either the right people or people who don't understand the message. 
Like, I I love Superman, and he's a very difficult character to explain to people who are not fans of the character because you, it's he is the anomaly because too many stories are like Superman being evil because he's like he's big and powerful, he has all these powers. What if he was evil? And it's like, what if he was good? That's the anomaly of him. Yeah. It's right. like, what if someone had all that power? Because we're so used to like, if everyone had all these powers in the world, they'd be corrupt and whatever. What if just one time there was a guy who was like, you know what? I'm not going to be a dick. That's it. Right. And it's like, you can't tell that story interestingly, but yet we still have people fangirling over Captain America. That's really strong to his moral code. Yeah. It's like, we can't do that. So man, he's got to snap necks. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Also, I will also argue from the same people who argued about the Man of Steel movie about you know snapping necks and whatever, of just like Zod blasting his like laser vision or whatever in that movie. A guy who worked on the comic, like was an artist and all that, did Superman for years. Just ask simply, why couldn't Superman put his hand over his eyes? He's, he's Superman. That's true. <laughs> he's superhuman. <laughs> yeah. But also, uh, I, I have a lot of feelings towards the DC stuff. <laughs> People don't like the DC as much as the Marvel. I know that. I, there's some good stuff, but also uh, it, it goes back to the feelings that I think some people miss the point of these characters and miss out the re- relatability of it. Because I really don't think Aquaman, because I know you guys were talking about Aquaman before I popped on. Yeah. We're but, always talking about Jason Momoa. <laughs> Jason Momoa should not have been Aquaman. But he should have been Lobo. He should have been Lobo the space biker. Because <laughs> that is who he's playing as. Because when I saw him, I'm like, did Lobo kill Arthur Curry and take the mantle of Aquaman? Like, why is he so, like, rocker and crazy with big wild hair? That's Lobo. He yeah. would be a space bounty hunter trying to capture Superman and stuff like that. That's way more fun. Yeah. Because Aquaman is a much different, interesting character. But most people don't care because they just go with the... People are reinventing the wheel when people forget the wheel works because it's done in a certain way. It's insanity. Yep. <laughs> they, they, they do it because they want to be able to tell people that they invented the wheel. That's why they do it. You know. It sucks so bad because I'm so tired of everyone turning everybody into Batman. And Batman's Very a straight true. man. People forget Batman. Look, okay, here's a little quick story example. Yeah. Green Goblin and the Joker are nearly the same character. You know? Like, uh, you know, Green Goblin from Spider-Man and all that? Uh, yep. They're they're fun, bombastic, you know, crazy lunatics with big grins on their faces that are psychotic and murderous. Mm-hmm. But Green Goblin is not as memorable as the Joker. Why is that? Because Spider-Man's jokey. You know, he's not going to really bounce off, but Batman is a straight man to emphasize all of his villains. That's why he has the best rogues gallery. But Batman in himself is not interesting. <laughs> not that much. Like, he's interesting in the aspects he's of, boring, like... Yeah. He's a dull guy. It's because you can make a, a fantastic Batman movie if he never talked at all. Like, that's the example of how Batman works very well. I do think <laughs> Bruce Wayne is a complex, tortured character. It's great. I'm glad they're doing that with the new Batman movie they're doing. Cool with... Uh, with uh... Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I like the trailer they showed, and I like that angle but uh the way batman's worked over the years is that they like to fluctuate between the light and dark yeah and when you go too dark people get bored of it that's why they shift it back to light so i think they 
I really like I like the new the Batman and stuff, but I think they should reel back and make a lighter Batman that's hearkened a little bit to a uh not all the way camp Adam West, but have like a Batman that can fight during the day type Batman. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, where everything's not just that gritty nighttime feel to it. Because that's how it's worked in animation. When they did the Batman animated series, that was a big hit. They made it dark. They made it light. They made Batman Brave and the Bold. And then they did like kids cartoons and they made it dark again. And it worked for so many years because it keeps it versatile. It's the same thing they do with reinventing Ninja Turtles over the years as well. It's because Ninja Turtles has been rebooted an infinite amount of times and still being rebooted because there's so many ways you can tell that story. Uh, Some people don't even know how far that story can go. Live and... They go to space and meet, fight aliens and stuff like that, but people are so focused on, oh, they fight Shredder and all that. I I know that's really off topic, but, like, there's many ways you can tell it, but it works when you understand the core elements of what makes something good. And when you rush reboots and do all this kind of stuff without care of, like, why people like this stuff in the first place, why it's doomed to fail in the beginning. Very true. If you could work on any comic property, what would it be? (laughs) (sighs) Um, I... Probably, uh, I would love to work on a Superman comic, and uh, I hope no one's coughing on a board of me. Saying oh no! I see, <laughs> I see it far in the background, just like it's, it's like. <clears throat> yeah, I, I live in a very small place, so everything. No, it's okay. Goes. I'm amazed. My, land, my I'm amazed that my neighbors haven't been stomping up a storm or having a screaming match. Yeah, um, um, that's another thing that's surprising here too. <laughs> I'm we'll wrap it up it. shortly, guys. We'll wrap it up shortly. I, I hope they don't. Uh, I hope I. I'm probably going to get them a rug that for Christmas. Now. <laughs> um, I would love to do a Superman story because I would love to give my interpretation. But I also know working with comic publishers is a catch twenty two. Um, there's also some obscure comics I love to work on. I've always had uh, a dream to even do Aquaman. Yes, there's a very twisted version I'd love to do of that. Um. But I would also love to take really old characters from back catalogs of stuff. Um, if I could get in the DC archives, I would love to make a comic book, comic book based on Arm Fall Off Boy. I like that. <laughs> that would be interesting for sure. There's this character in the Legion of Superheroes in the far off future of DC. And he has this amazing ability to have his arms fall off. And he is rejected because of his lame ass power. Yeah. <laughs> That is such a throwaway character that I'd love to know what his story is. Because imagine if you did a story with that character and he had to fight, like, Darkseid or the biggest villain in the universe. How the hell is someone whose only ability is to arm fall off going to succeed? Right. Seriously. He goes into, you know, to do anything and that's it. He'd be a stuntman. He gets scared, arms fall off. <laughs> it just makes you think. It's just like, how far, how far can you push, like, a concept? Like, Okay, can he move the arms? If he gets stuck in a jail cell, can he pop off one of his arms and like throw it at a switch? You know, well, it's like an arrow. So grab the keys, welcome back, cousin. Yep. If he throws his arm in an incinerator, does it grow back? Mm. It's like all these questions that are fun to explore. That's why I like if you have a place, innovate it. You know, that, hope- yeah, because that, that 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 sounds like that scene from um, oh my god, Deadpool. Like, where he cuts the hand, where his hand gets cut off or whatever, and then the little baby hand starts growing, <laughs> that type of deal. 
He just touches people with that little hand. It's so creepy. Like uh, the, the Dutch rudder from uh, Zach and Mary make a porno to bring Kevin Smith back into it where the dude lays on his arm so he can jerk off and feel like a different person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I was just thinking of... Uh, um, oh, God. I don't want to lose train of thought. Um, uh, so... Uh, uh, no, right before the Zach and Mary thing. What were you saying, Melissa? Right before he said Zach and Mary? Um, was coming the dead, oh, the Deadpool thing with, with yeah. baby hands. Oh, yeah, that movie was not almost made because it got leaked. Oh, really? Yeah, that movie was, like, pitched and whatever, and Ryan Reynolds himself was spending over ten years, like, working in that I movie. That, yeah. And uh, the studio passed on it because wow. Deadpool is not a recognizable brand. Because everything is about brands. Always remember, on yeah, brand, yeah. brand, 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 brand. Yeah. Hell, they even had a... Uh, even DC Comics is super guilty of that because when they were releasing like cartoon movies and stuff, they had a Shazam movie that was about Captain Marvel, Shazam, and all that. Yeah. They had Superman in it. For no reason. He was just there. Just because they need brand recognition. It Always. They always they're always cautious about their brand. They need to hide stuff in it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so... Deadpool is such an obscure, weird character. They can't really introduce him in the X-Men because people didn't like Deadpool in the X-Men, even though that Deadpool is not the one people like from the comics, clearly. Yeah. Uh, but studio execs only look at the numbers and don't care about the character because they're just there for the money. Because, kids, most of the stuff that's being made is imagine if your uncle was in charge of making it, and that's basically how things work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Imagine a world without Deadpool. Wow. I keep think I keep thinking back to uh, I know this, I know I'm a little bit off topic here, but I just reminded myself back when um I was in person listening to M Night Shyamalan at a panel, and I remember right after he was talking about his artistic illustrations of or his art artistic direction doing Unbreakable, and only having handwritten questions pre made for him during his Q and A. Not taking any app, not taking any last Airbender questions because clearly he pissed off everyone and yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah. And I still remember we were walking out of that theater, it was New York Comic Con. We were walking out of that theater, and my dad was there, and we watched that entire thing. My dad turned to me and just went, "What a fucking pussy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that guy was like, he was so artsy for his own good, but like he clearly didn't like so far up his own ass for a lot of things. Hopefully he's a little better now. I I like to think that he's humble, but a lot of his work clearly does not illustrate that. He's been humble uh, a little bit, yeah. Because like sp- split work because it was an old script, not a new script. That's why Glass failed. Uh, it kind of all makes sense when you look at it. Brought brass yeah. tacks. You're right. Anyway, uh, but uh, back to what I was saying about um, uh, Deadpool is uh, they were like, no, we're not going to do it, and then someone leaked that CG footage that came out where it was like him fighting on that highway that eventually ended up in the movie. Yeah. That was test footage. that was just leaked online. No one knows who did it. Some people think it was Ryan himself, but it was leaked online and got so much demand for it to be a thing. Yeah. Her hands were tied and they basically had to do it. You know, kind of the same thing with the whole Snyder cut thing, but my God, those people are. Well, that was like the same thing too with like Machete, you know, being in the grind that grindhouse movie with Planet Terror and when I it, it started off that it was just a fun trailer, and people liked it so much that they made it into a full length feature. 
I still love Machete. I think Machete's sec- awesome. Danny the Trejo second is an one awesome is so good. Yeah, I love both of those movies. I gotta say, because I grew up with Spy Kids, the second movie freaked me the hell out when they kind of sexualize uh, adults. Uh, uh, Alexis so and so. I know her name is Carmen from Spy yes. Kids. Yes. Uh, they showed her ass and it played the jingle from Spy Kids. And it's like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> That's fun. No. <laughs> yeah, her and then the, what was the other movie? I think wasn't she? She was in no, that was Jessica Alba. I thought she was in like Sin City too. But she like when you she see, was in Repo, I know you, that. Yeah, but when you see these kids, and it will be like Spy Kids, and then you see them as like adults in like something else, it's like yeah. wait, oh, that's kind of creepy watching this because you kind of watch them grow up and it. It's just weird. Yeah, as long as you're not, but like you, you know, there's people that are. Everybody grows up now. Yeah, I know this, but it's all goes. Like I don't know, I'm just weird. I know what you're going with, though. (laughs) Yeah, I know some people felt weird about uh, Swiss Army Man with uh, (laughs) with, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. (laughs) Also, I'm gonna be ballsy. Is that I still think Daniel Radcliffe would make a super rad uh, Wolverine. Yeah, I could see. Loved, I could see that. Because I know they're going to have to reinvent him. He's like, he's got to be tall. He's got to com- be Canadian. And his uh, American, Northern American accent is kind of deep. So I think he could yeah. probably do like a yeah, pretty good. Yeah, he'd be decent with it. I bet he would too, yeah. Yeah, him and, Rad- him and uh, Radcliffe, Radcliffe and Clifford, uh, Radcliffe there and um, Patterson. Both of them are the dudes that I didn't, I didn't like in the early part of their career because they're making films that didn't interest me. But I like them more now. Now that they're free to do artistic, you know, they had their big, gigantic mainstream power hits, you know what yeah. I mean? And then you keep getting out of the shadows of them. The only way to really go is the underground a little bit and do these indie films. And it's good that they're. Yeah, they've knocked it out of the park stuff. with the stuff that they've done with the, the more creative stuff. Yeah, like Swiss Army Man is like one of those wild movies. It's just like a weird weird just you know what i mean you yeah, elijah started. wood won that direction too after lord of the rings he went very indie with a lot of stuff and yeah because uh, even his his career choices oh elijah I, yeah, yeah, Elijah's so, yeah really good. he's come far and horror fan yeah big time and i like seeing them you know you see daniel radcliffe and it will be like uh guns of chemo or was it um horns movie where he's like a rate like a white power guy at one point Shaved his head down. It was. I haven't seen that one. That was pretty good. It was a one-word title. I forget the name of it, but that was pretty good. Uh, Patterson, Patterson. I knew Patterson. Well, I can't say I knew it. I loved him in the Lighthouse. uh, He was good in the Lighthouse. I had a good. I still really need to see the Lighthouse. I have not been able to. Amazon has it. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. I just need to find time. (laughs) I need time for Prime. Elijah Wood was good in Come to Daddy. I've seen that recently. That was fun. Um, he has a brief part in a story in uh, Pawn Shop Chronicles, which was oh, really yeah. good. I really I love him. I'd like to meet Elijah. Cooties. Yeah, Cooties was good too. I wouldn't. Yeah, no, he's one I wouldn't mind. What was the one you said, Matt? What was the one? Um, I don't even remember what I say. Elijah Wood. We're talking about. Uh, he's been doing a lot of the good things recently. He produced Mandy and stuff. Produced a lot of cool things. Um. He's also a great versatile voice actor. I believe that. Yeah. What was I talking about? Patterson? I think Patterson will do a good Batman. I think he'll do good with the Batman thing. Patterson. Yeah, Lighthouse was... I do, too. I I think... It's like whenever... I I think some people, like... People who stigma him as, like, the whole Twilight stuff is... Yeah, you gotta gotta, gotta remember he's he's grown now. 
So let's get him away. Let's get him away from the the Edward Cullen persona. He was in one of the Harry Potter movies prior to the Twilight movies. So you know that was Mister Mom and Beetlejuice going to play Batman. That's just disgusting. (laughs) Go. That was a real thing that happened back in the day. But also, not all bad casting can work. But sometimes overhyped casting is the worst because. I mean, I think the same happened with like, like Jared Leto, especially. Yeah, but the Joker. Because, like, I don't think he's a bad Joker, but I think his his interpretation was too close of a shave to Ledger's. Yeah, because I think he should have went in a completely different direction. Yeah. But I think it was like, um, I I don't understand when people get the cue of you're crazy. They just take that as I'm eccentric, hmm. and it's like uh, Joaquin, uh, Joaquin, Phoenix yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, his take of the Joker too. Was I like still haven't seen big, that Joker, super but do- super dark. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do these characters, but it's just like I, I still think the best way to do these characters that's new and fresh, which James Bond definitely showed, is just do it based on the source material because. God damn it, I'm so tired of people who like say like, you know, Batman kills people. It's like, no, he doesn't. He, that's his whole character. He does not kill people. He does it in the other movies. Name one where you actually see him kill somebody. He kind of does in the Tim Burton ones and all that, but it's like, that's not the point. People like <laughs> yeah. it because of the source material. Right. He's got a whole crazy dynamic in his head that the Joker is his foible because of this. His wonderful toys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like you're missing the point stop it's like we're not when you're adapting something don't like imagine if like every single uh like sherlock holmes thing was just based on like the one where he has a hat or like the great mouse detective if it's just that we yeah. wouldn't have sherlock we wouldn't have the downey jr version of uh yep. it or even the uh new uh um, what's that? Millie Brown's uh, Sherlock uh, sister movie on Netflix. Uh, uh, I I saw that on there. I can't. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I watch it. I feel bad. I forget it. But she has an obscure like first name because it's a uh, it's a code. Elona Holmes. That's it. Uh, it's decent. It's a decent movie. Uh, but. You got, you got to innovate, and I think one of the best way to innovate, which is more frustrating, is that if you want something that seems new and fresh, it's just to go back to the old. Mm. And, uh, That's the way to do it. <laughs> so it works. Did you guys ever read Twilight? I, yes. I did. I read them all. I, I own the movie. I own the box set of the movie. I got the tattoo instead. The, uh, That's fair. It's That's a guilty right. it's a guilty pleasure movie for sure. I lost a cool card with that one when people found out. <laughs> but can you argue with this? I, I, I really liked a girl in high school and she let me borrow it. She was like, Hey, read this book, I really like it. And I'm like, Yeah, totally. And I was like, This book is shit. Um and it wasn't because I was being like a an asshole, I was giving it like a fair shot, but like those books are like the most self cert y kind of like because it's so vague in all the perfect ways for an insecure teenager. Right. Because you're cool, but you're not the coolest. You're a loser, but you're not as lame as everybody. Yeah. You also, all the guys want you, but also you feel like you're alone. Yeah. And also this guy is clearly a goddamn stalker that wants you so bad, but he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
And when they show, because, I mean, uh, uh, they spend a good uh, portion of the movies with no shirts on. Also, Robert Pattinson, I think, got his, uh, you know, huge, like, you know, like, he's not the best looking guy in the world. He's not a bad looking guy either, but, you know, he's pretty up. He's pretty average looking for the most part. Yeah. But I think because of, like, that thirsty ass fandom that was made from the book, projected onto, like, this is what that person looks like. It was suddenly like, Ugh, Oh crazy. my god, he's so hot. The same thing with, like, with Taylor Lautner uh, playing that's Jacob, you know? Good. Yeah. That's what sold it. That's why I give a lot of credit to Robert Pattinson of, like, he used to have a stalker that would stand outside of his house every morning. So, you know what he did? He took the girl out on a date. And she broke up with him like immediately or was just done with the day altogether because Robert in real life is a very dark and sad person and he was going on about all his problems. He was not Edward. He clearly was a completely different person in real life. Just and, she to show. and she could not deal. Yeah, because people can't, they, they yeah, fail yeah. to yeah. separate real life from the movies. The two dudes in Twilight are better looking than the girl in Twilight. I'll say that. Yeah, for real. The, uh, I, I felt like she had more acting range in Z- Zathura, where she was a solid ice block. I thought she was. I actually thought she was better in that underwater movie that she's in right now, that came out than she was in Twilight. Uh, underwater. underwater was actually good with her. Okay. It was actually a decent flick. Yeah, I'm down for that. I found it. I just found it weird because all I know about the drama is that like him and Robert dated, and they like she cheated on him, and I always like thought that was really shitty. Yeah, well, there was all kinds of stories about that relationship. Also, at the end of the day, I really don't care. Yeah, I know. It's like this is what people are worried about. Yeah, you got other stuff to do. I even feel that's like that's a something I'd regret. Someone capping layers like, didn't you bring up some old drama from like People Magazine in a podcast? But they broke up up like sixteen, seventeen times, and each time they broke up, you know, it went back and forth as to who was the reason why they broke up. Like, one of those stories was Robin Pattinson broke up with her because she didn't shower. This is just modern YouTube drama. This just seems yeah. like a thumbnail. It's, it's, just, it's, just like, it's just so funny, like, the stuff that they come up with to keep things in you know, It's because it's because every time every time movies. they break up, break up, the teenage girls go flock and buy more of his stuff because they think they're they going to feel bad. It. Yeah. He, he, oh, no, he's sad. He just broke up with her. Let me go watch this movie. I can get him now. He's His, his poor heart's broken. Uh, (laughs) wow we've been we've been going for almost like four hours i know like a two-part episode (laughs) this is gonna be a two-part episode yeah um real quick don't be sorry no no we love it we're gonna we're gonna have alex back but we're gonna wrap this up real quick and we're gonna say you know do you have any advice um for anybody not not just artists but just in life you know um, anybody, you know, help people get out of their own way, give themselves a little kick in the butt. Um, any advice for people? Fail. There you go. Amen, brother. <laughs> you, you need, you need to fail to get better and you need to get over your own pride and it's hard. It's very hard. And it's easier said than done as I'm saying, because like the way I learned, is that you always hear these nice like little anecdotes and metaphors and all that and just go like, oh yeah, I get that. Oh yeah, I understand that. I got advice from artists, they would always tell me like, oh, you know, we just need to fix up these few things. And I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. But only until you actually 
start doing something, you're going to realize your capabilities and you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get insecure. You're going to get mad at your capability. And, you know, there's stuff I do now that I take for granted and you never know what your capability is until it's taken away. You know, I still take pride. I can still walk to my fridge and walk back or go to the bathroom on my own because there was a while where I was unable to walk. There's a while where I wasn't able to do many things. And so just do your best and it's okay to fail. It's okay to be cringy after a while. And when you allow yourself to be a failure, you can also, uh, like, again, like talking about stand-up earlier, you'll be able to read a room. You'll be able to figure out sensibilities, understand, like, when something is cool and when's not. You know, uh, when you do artwork, you're afraid it's not going to come out the right way. I've even seen it with recent people that are trying to do artwork. They're intimidated. They're shy. They're able to do it. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. It's all about your voice. It's your fingerprint. It's all these things. People want to hear them. And even if you're off key, people still want to hear it. But when you want to return to sing it better, do it. Just keep trying. Even the greatest filmmakers we know still remake the same movie a thousand times they've already done. You know, it's it's silly, but we keep seeing it. You know, yeah, like they just, they just put their spin on it. I still think it was weird that Oz the Great and Powerful had a lot of like Army of Darkness kind of things in it. <laughs> Sam Raimi in the building. We and I, I love it. Yeah. yeah, it's a great flick. I enjoyed it. I went to the theater to see it. Well, <coughs> well, Alex, thank you very much again. Before you leave, um, though, let everybody know how they can follow you yep. on social media. <laughs> oh, and uh, one parting thing on that last note, too, is that um, if you need encouragement to go ahead, you need the green light to be able to pursue your career, do it now. I'm giving you the green light. Please do it. Please do it. You got the green light. Just do it. Please, please just go ahead. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for me. Please just do something. If you think my artwork is crap and you think it sucks and whatever, and you really don't like me, outdo me. Do better than me. Just do it. Just do your best. I don't care. Just please. You have a voice. Speak it. Uh, I have a Patreon where I have... uh, I've recently started putting out my passion project that I've been developing for like over 15 plus years. And uh, I've been keeping it kind of secret because it's a precious thing that's very personal to me. And so I'm kind of testing the waters of how uh, people like it on Patreon first before I start, you know, putting it online and stuff. So if you want to check out some of my stuff early and plus it goes a super long way with just a dollar a month and all that. And if you give me five bucks a month, You'll get free access to my Photoshop files and see how I actually make the stuff I do if you want to see that process. And I encourage it, engagement, all that. And if any like questions, advice, or anything, uh, you can reach me there. I have a Twitter, which is pure underscore Alex Hoy. And I have an Instagram, which is pure underscore Alex underscore Hoy. I have a Newgrounds account. Um, I have a Twitch that I'm probably going to be on a bit more. And sooner in the following year, uh, there's a lot going on. Please go check out the Holliston t-shirts are up. Get it for holiday and all that stuff. Um, uh, I, I guess uh, the other thing to uh, keep an eye out for is um, 
uh, I don't want to spin my wheels here, but uh, please, you're, you're welcome to check out my stuff, check out my work. Tell me if you hate it. Tell me you like it. I, I encourage you to do whatever you like. Hell yeah. Well, Alex... Feel, or I shouldn't invite that. I might get something really bad. Yeah, you <laughs> might get some bad stuff out of that. But thank you so much for coming on the show. And yes, thank you. I don't want someone to dox me out of that invite. <laughs> and continued, you know, continued success. And you look fantastic. And I'm so glad that things are going so well for you. Aw, thank you. <laughs> you guys look great, too. It's oh, been a while since I've seen you guys. I know. It's been t- way too long. I didn't say it in the beginning, but like since I saw you guys last from Rock and Truck, you guys look way thinner than I last saw you. <laughs> we all are. We all are way thinner from the last time yeah. we all saw one another. We're all trying to get healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird since we're all stuck inside and everyone's like trying to get thinner. And most people I see that are extroverted and like bodybuilders are getting a lot of second chins now. It's so yeah, ironic. Yeah, and, and all of us, all of us uh, overweight people are losing it. So it's kind of balance, keeping the balance. <laughs> It's like it's like we're injecting it into them. Yeah, that's fine know. too. I don't care as long as it goes. We're doing it through our through our inner mind, through our mind. We're getting into them. We're we're, we're showing them the other side of the world over here. Oh, what a what a warped X Men power! Dinner, no, <laughs> that movie Dinner for Schmucks. That scene with Gal- uh, Galifianakis and. Um, Corral. Corral, and he's yeah. sitting there talking about laying eggs in his ear and whatnot, using the mind power. <laughs> oh my god, that's where you went? <laughs> F-Skirt line from that not-so-great like comedy? Yeah, <laughs> that's because that's how I roll. <laughs> I guess also as a party like last story is that pure isn't all my handles online, because I had a really creepy stalkerish girl on like dating websites and like my early age and she kept referring to me as pure and I kept saying Al Choi was taken so many places. So I'm like, she did call me pure. And I guess it's kind of like, over and kind of just so. stuck. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, I'm pure Alex Hoy. And as you can see by how pure and clean my mouth is, I am, I, I am the star child of <laughs> purity. That means there's an impure Alex floating around. Everybody got to be on the lookout for yeah, he's the one that has a goatee and probably killed the real Alex Hoy. We'll have, to, we'll have to find out the next time we all get together. We'll have to bring out the evil slide and, you know, have Alex Hoy come out and play. Hell yeah. <laughs> this will be I mean, I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not that unique looking for the most part. So someone else that has kind of like a Seth Rogen-esque charm could probably just pretend to be the, the, the negative version of me. Oh, you know, you got to come out, hang out, and you know the debauchery and the shenanigans behind the scenes at the convention. <laughs> you, look, you look like you look like a young young Don Coscarelli. You ever hear that? Yeah. I've never heard that one. I guess I got I guess I got less and less of the Seth Rogen look, look when I lost more weight, but yeah. I still could kind of have that. We need food, snacks. Let's get the fuck out of here. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that just totally nailed it for you. That was good. That was really good. Yeah. I used to do it so much because so many people used to say I look so much like him, but it was really hard to do his voice because well, he's got... I've he, got you covered if you need this. He's got that rough voice. I got the, uh, I got the props ready for you. Like that <laughs> <laughs> That way you can run out and get your munchies. <laughs> if he ever needs like a vocal stand-in, I'll totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. 
Well, Alex, you have a fantastic night and, you know, stay safe and we hope you have a great holiday season. And You too. Know. Four more hours. Let's go. I'm kidding. <laughs> we probably can do it at the rate we're going. <laughs> we'll be, yeah, we'll beat this next, next time we'll beat our, uh, our, uh, our record. Could, could you imagine if we just sat here and like after like the eighth hour mark, we're just like, dude. We did a seven, our, our Halloween episode was like seven hours long. Really? That's yeah. awesome. We cut it up into two episodes. And with that being said, everybody out there, I think this will be our last episode before the holidays. So everybody go out there. There's going to be a big Boombastic Christmas episode on the Boombastic Media page. It'll be out Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and two, two, uh, two, one, two part deal. So everybody be on the lookout for that. And buy Alex's shirts. Go check out Alex. Go buy that Holliston shirt, dude. Help out Alex and Adam. Pave the way in gold to new new opportunities, new things for us folks. Make those make everybody's Christmas merry and bright with a Holliston shirt. This also, is- maybe send a message to Shutter as well. You know, oh, yeah. you, you say a lot by doing all that kind of stuff. You sure do. And Shutter, you know, killing it with the Joe Bob stuff right now. Uh, Shutter would be a perfect home for Holliston, and we definitely want to see it. I didn't. I've always been a fan of Adam Green. I didn't appreciate how much of a great writer he was until I watched Holliston. You really can see his writing shine uh, in acting. I didn't realize how good of an actor he was either. Oh yeah, he did stand up as well. If you didn't know, I believe that. I didn't know that, but I definitely believe that. He actually did stand up with Adam Sandberg before. Oh wow! Yeah, there's this. There's a lot of deep lore that goes into Adam Green, and it's very fascinating. Really. Yep. Wouldn't mind having him as a guest on the We're going to try and get him on the show for a nice big four-hour episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, I bring this up right at the tail end we're wrapping up. It's like, oh, yeah, there's also some beat cuts about Adam Green. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's our four hours to turn this into an eight-hour episode. <laughs> I, I would just love that we, we just keep going. It's unedited, and we're just at a point where we're just like, dude, what, what does it even all mean? <laughs> you know <laughs> so, and the worst part is is when we go back in and we edit everything even though we've gone off in nine thousand different directions it all tends to come back together and actually make sense in the end <laughs> like i want i like i want the podcast to lead to like those existential on the porch questions like when the party laps over too long in the morning where it's just like yeah, dude it's yeah. three in the morning what like, what's even the point of things anymore? I don't want to go back to my job tomorrow. My kids suck. Oh. You know, like, just just have it be, like, that long, overwinded, like, experience. <laughs> the After Hours show. That's our After Hours show. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to come boombastic after dark. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm sure you guys get this all the time, is that for a long time, every time I saw it, my brain always kept going, boobmastic? <laughs> boombastic, yeah, boom. Because I only he, saw missed like, the, he missed the M and saw the X and the next B. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of what kind of show is that? Boom! It's, why is it singular? Why is it boomastic? <laughs> we like to impress the children here because they're the future and they will protect <laughs> us when we're old. You know what I mean? Teach them well and let them lead the way. <laughs> yeah, children are the future, and. Alex's drawings are the future. So make sure to peep all that, all those places out. Check, go get the Holliston shirt and uh, hit up Shutter for sure for all of us because we, we want to see some more Holliston up in this. We want oh, that yeah. cliffhanger, man. We want to know what happens. Bring it Amen. back. Also, you heard him. I'm the future. I'm the future, okay? Yes, you you want to know what the future looks like? <laughs> yeah. Go check it. 
So, fuck yeah. One last big F-bomb for everybody. And we'll catch everybody after the holidays on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Elle and Maddie with our guest. Alex Hoey. Me. Alexander Hoey. <laughs> you can't spell ho without hoy. <laughs> Look at me shill. On the Boobmastic Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're rocking and rolling all night long. All right, folks. We'll catch you all later. See you in part eight. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Good night. Good night.